a Highline podcast. It goes without saying that this podcast contains spoilers. If you value ignorance in your reading and watching experience, maybe come back to this show after you've read and watched the featured material. But let's be honest, if you don't know already, he sees dead people. Welcome to Author's Intent. precious little doves. It's been a hot minute, but I am your host, Dixie Lee Henning, and this is Author's Intent. By the time you're hearing this, we'll have posted a trailer and an update, but I am going to start by saying, oops, my bad. (laughs) Sorry that it took so long for me to get to recording again. Uh, Thank you for joining again. If you don't know, we are starting, of course, with The Hunger Games. And I'm continuing the first book of a series that I started with back when I started. Uh, So I have gone over Harry Potter and Narnia, um, and I'm continuing with the first book in a series um, as we move forward. So we're going to start with The Hunger Games. And of course, this is the name of the book and the name of the movie. Here we go. Usually I'd start with uh, Welcome to the Terror Dome, but I feel like that's that's, I mean, it's accurate, but it would be better to say welcome to the Hunger Games. So if you've never, if you've never listened to the podcast before, you would know, you wouldn't know, sorry, you wouldn't know that uh, this is full of spoilers. So if you have watched the movie and you haven't read the book and you want to read the book, maybe don't listen to this or vice versa. If you've read the book and you haven't seen the movie, we're going to talk about both and it's going to be full of a lot of a lot of stuff that you would miss in between. So if you have any desire to remain oblivious until you yourself read or watch the movie, uh, I would I would just I would just stop listening. Probably. Uh, I know that's a weird request to make of a podcast, but like unlike me, I know a lot of people don't like getting spoilers. But you know, you do you do what you do what you want. I guess. So uh, to start us off, I'm actually going to I'm going to read the uh, what is written on the book to tell you about the story. Um, So let's just jump in. In the ruins of a place once known as North America lies the nation of Panem, a shining capital surrounded by 12 outlying districts. The capital is harsh and cruel and keeps the districts in line by forcing them all to send one boy and one girl between the ages of 12 and 18 to participate in the annual Hunger Games, a fight to the death on live television. 16-year-old Katniss Everdeen, who lives alone with her mother and younger sister, regards it as a death sentence when she steps forward to take her sister's place in the games. But Katniss has been close to death before, and survival. For her, it is second nature. Without really meaning to, she becomes a contender, but if she is to win, she will have to start making choices that weigh survival against humanity and life against love. Diving into diving into the the book and the movie, uh, you learn that 
this takes place in what is essentially North America. Um, they make some references in the book to it being North America. I don't think that they cover that very well in the movie. Like, just watching the movie outright, you don't really get the idea that this was North America. Like, you don't see ruins. You don't see anything like that. They don't talk about it. They only talk about Panem, which makes sense. Of course, this is where the Hunger Games takes place will have been the 74th Hunger Games. So it's been 74 years since the uprising of of the districts, but it's not really clear how long before that North America ceased to exist. Not the continent, obviously. The continent is still there, but the the country of America, it, it's not it's not very clear when when this takes place after the fall of the United States. So going into the story, you don't see a lot, um, specifically in the movie, you don't see a lot of reference to like where this is taking place. As I said before, there are there are 12 dr- districts. There used to be 13. 13, you read in the book, you learn that 13 was destroyed. It is not really discussed very much in the movie. Like we know that there's 12 districts because they They uh, call people from the 12 districts to compete in the Hunger Games. But like there is not a specific moment in the movie, in the beginning of the movie specifically, that they say that there were 13 districts there. I believe there is like a propaganda video that the the capital plays like just in the background while you're watching the movie. And it it says something about 13 districts, but it's not discussed fully, which makes it more confusing when you get to the second book and the second movie because all of a sudden like you're okay again spoilers all of a sudden you're going to district 13 which if you hadn't read the books and you just watched the movies you'd be like where the where the heck where the even heck are these people coming from so starting out uh you see you see katniss um she's actually out in the woods in district 12 she's from district 12 she is hunting which is legal because of rules set out by the Capitol, but it, it they they portray it really well in the movie. I think that District Twelve is a little bit more lenient on the rules, although you don't get to see the relationship with the peacekeepers in District Twelve very much. Like you see, you see peacekeepers in District Twelve, but you don't get to see like the individual relationship between Katniss and peacekeepers in interacting in District Twelve. You only really get that in the book. So Katniss is out hunting. Um, and this this takes place the morning of the reaping, which is when they choose the uh, the boy and the girl from each district to join the Hunger Games. So she's out hunting. Um, she meets up with her friend Gail, who I'll talk more about in a little bit. Um, they talk about running away. Um, they don't show this in in the first movie. They don't show Katniss with Gail out in out in the meadow. Uh, I believe they do like a flashback to it later in the movie, but like it starts out just Katniss and it starts out with her, uh, you know, hunting and bringing food back to what's called the hub in District 12, which is kind of like a black market area that uh, they have in District 12 because they are they like they are essentially the lowest of the low. Like they are the capital of poverty. So they uh they made this black market and this also shows the the leniency of the peacekeepers as well being willing to let them have this 
this place to let them have the hub to actually do black market trading and stuff like that to keep them alive. Like the fact that the peacekeepers are willing to let this go on is, it's just, it's crazy to think about. So one of the biggest things that we that we see when she's actually in the hub is she's trading uh she's trading some of the furs and like things that she's hunted in the hub with various people she gets food uh to eat with her family before for breakfast before the reaping um and then we specifically see her stop at a vendor who has a uh, a pin um and if you've watched the movies you you know the pin it's also on the on the cover of the book um, it's a uh, mockingjay in a circle in the movie they which okay the the pin itself is it has so much history behind it and if you haven't read the books you would not understand they did it fine for the movie but like the implications of the history behind this pin um in the books is just it it's so well written so going into the book we we learn that this pin is actually given to Katniss by a friend from school who is the mayor's daughter. I think her name is Mage she, or Madge. I don't know. Don't come at me. I don't know words. Um, anyway, so um, this friend of Katniss, um, she gives Katniss the pin after she's been reaped into the Hunger Games. So uh, they are taken into like the mayor's mansion after the reaping um, and they get a chance to talk with their friends and family before they go on the train to head to the capital. So the mayor's daughter actually makes an appearance and talks to Katniss and gives her this trinket, gives her this this Mockingjay pin. And we learn later, I believe it's not until the second book, we learn that this pin was actually her aunt's. So Mage's aunt's aunt was uh, reaped and she was chosen to be in the Hunger Games when she was little. And she is actually the twin sister of, of uh, Mage's mom. So uh, it's two twins, a set of twins. Sorry. Um, so she got called or she got reaped to be in the Hunger Games. And this was the trinket that she wore. She did not win the Hunger Games. She ended up dying. Um, and this this forms like a huge amount of backstory with with uh, Katniss's mom. Uh, we learned that Katniss Katniss's mom was actually really, really good friends with the twin that was reaped into the Hunger Games. Um, and there's just a bunch of tie in with uh who you'll learn is the, uh, the boy tribute, Peta. Um, his dad um, had feelings for feelings for Katniss's mom, but she ended up leaving the well-off part of the district and marrying Katniss's dad. Um, and there, it, it was just like a big friend group. And the the symbolism of of Mage giving this pin to Katniss is huge. Like you would not in a hundred years get this from the movie at all. But the fact that, um, you know, they they take the symbol and they use it as a symbol for the rest of the series is just immaculate. So Mage gives her this pin um, in the movie. Um, she gets the pin from uh, a character in the book that you would learn is named Greasy Say. She is um, she's like a fixture in the hub in the books. Like she makes really weird soups and stuff um and she's always willing to sell and trade and all of that stuff but like this is the only time you see her in the movie which is kind of sad because she is a very interesting character even though she doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the book so leaving leaving the hub Katniss goes back to uh her house where you see Prim getting ready 
um, because she just turned 12. So she will be entered into the Hunger Games reaping. Um, and you see her mom, um, who like well played getting that actress. I can't remember her name. I could probably look it up. Oh, let me look it up. Katniss's mom, Mrs. Everdeen, is played by Paula Malcolmson. Um, and then Prim is played by Willow Shields. And I, if you don't know who plays Katniss, like, why are you even listening to this? Jennifer Lawrence plays Katniss, um, which that's a whole that's a whole other thing. The way they um, portrayed Katniss in the movie, I think, honestly, they did great. In the book, she's described as being uh, lean and small and she has dark hair and gray eyes. So the only thing that they didn't really accomplish with this is Jennifer Lawrence is kind of built for like a young act actress like she's definitely taller and she's more muscular um and katniss is supposed to be like less i mean she's athletic but she's more the lean athletic um and that's not portrayed very well but like her face and her hair and her eyes totally nailed it anyway so katniss comes back home to willow shield willow shields who plays prim and paula malcolmson who plays mrs everdeen they have breakfast together they have like some like innocuous conversation like it's not really conversation um you see a picture on on a shelf um and it's actually a picture of Katniss's dad um in his um mining garb he is passed away he died in a mining accident um so it's just the three of them um so prim is getting ready to go um there is a, a running bit throughout the throughout the movies that uh Katniss calls her little duck because um, the back of her the back of her shirt always comes untucked and she looks like a little duck. So uh, Katniss and Prim get ready. They have their breakfast and they head to the they head to the reaping. OK, coming to the reaping, uh, you see that the 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 kids are separated by age and by sex. So women on one side, men on the other side, um, of course, Prim is towards the front because she's a 12-year-old and um, she just just entered the reaping for the Hunger Games. Um, Katniss is farther towards the back. She only has about two more years until she wouldn't be um, eligible to p compete in the Hunger Games. Um, and you see that Katniss's friend Gail is also there. He is 18 and he is, you know, at the back of the group. We learn that Gail has a bunch of brothers and sisters. His dad also died in a mining accident. So it's just him and his mom and his siblings. So there's another tie in with Katniss. Like they they have this similar living situations. They're both they're both uh, kind of not well off and they have family that they need to take care of. And they got put into this role of being essentially the father figure in their family, being the oldest child. So. Um, and we also see um, Josh Hutcherson, who plays Peter Mellark. OK, here's my my biggest gripe with with the casting of of the Hunger Games. Josh Hutcherson is an amazing actor. I literally I watched Howl's Moving Castle the other day and I learned that he voices um, the little boy in that movie. And I was like, yes, freaking Josh Hutcherson. Like he's so, so freaking amazing. He is such a good actor. He's been in so many movies. The only problem is he is hella short. He is so short. I would be surprised if he was even an inch taller than me. He's so, so, so short. And as I said before, Jennifer Lawrence is pretty tall. I would say probably above average for 
for uh, a girl around my age. Um, and PETA is supposed to be taller by like a foot than Katniss. Um, and there's actually a really funny in the second movie, which I know we're not talking about it, but I'm going to talk about it right now. Um, they have a dance scene where PETA and Jennifer or PETA and Katniss are dancing together. And um, apparently... Josh Hutcherson had to actually stand on a box to make himself look like he was at least as tall as her, which is just that's hilarious. Shout out to all my shorties. Anyway, he um, he definitely outside of his height looks exactly how I pictured uh, PETA to look in the book, like blonde, lighter hair, uh, blue eyes, like, yeah, freaking nailed it. So we see PETA, um, we see Gail, we see prim and we see katniss and then a bunch of other kids obviously from district 12 getting ready to be reaped into the hunger games and this is when we see elizabeth banks character her name is effie trinket um and like i i quite honestly do not remember what her outfit was supposed to be in the book but they totally nailed it like she's definitely not as well off as some of the other people in the capital but she she uh still has like this really flamboyant really like loud outfit that she's wearing like bright pink like everyone in the district is wearing shades of gray and like faded blues and browns and stuff like that and then you see Effie Trinket up on the stage and she's wearing this bright pink dress and her face is essentially white face um like her her makeup is so thick uh and like she literally looks completely out of place so we see Effie Trinket there um the a big difference from the book to the movie is specifically Woody Harrelson's character Hamish is not seen at the reaping which there's a running joke throughout the entire first book in the book he is so so inebriated he's so so stinking drunk he actually falls down the stairs at the reaping on live television and all of the other all of the other district people and everybody in the capital makes fun of him for it for the entire book um but he's not he's not there in the movie which is kind of a bummer also woody harrelson to play to play Hamish was just like chef's kiss so good so um traditionally the girl is picked first and then the boy um we see effie go over to a big bowl full of names another uh defining feature of the of the hunger games um with districts that are definitely more in the poverty poverty range um you can enter your name in more in the pot to be drawn at the reaping um to get more food and like support from the capital essentially like they send you grain if you enter your name more so the lower the lower income families the the families that are like lower on the poverty line they tend to put their names in more, which means that they're more likely to be picked. Um, Katniss, of course, puts her name in, I think, a few times. She's like, she doesn't have just one slip with her name on it in there. Like there's multiple slips with her name on it in there. And then we learn that actually Gail is entered in like a ridiculous amount of times. Like I think it's like 12 his name is in there like 12 times. Um, and Katniss makes a point of telling Prim, like, under no circumstances is she to ever put her name in there more than once. Which makes the point of this whole entire series even even more dramatic because, of course, the girls are picked first. Katniss's name is in there 
a few times and there I'm sure there are other people in the girls section that have their names in there multiple times. And the fact that Prim gets drawn is just mind blowing. Like her name is in there one time. There are so many other people that are in that multiple times and Prim gets drawn and it's her first year. Like that's that's just unheard of. Like this this scene in the book and this scene in the movie are played out very similarly. Prim gets drawn. Of course, Katniss just like has a panic attack the second that Prim's name is drawn um, and she runs up and volunteers as tribute. Um, and she doesn't have time to really communicate with Prim. Uh, we see in the movie that Gail actually comes up and grabs Prim and takes her to uh, their mother. And of course, Katniss goes up onto the stage, shakes hand with Effie um, and just stands up there um, while the the male name is called. And of course, it is Peta Mellark. At this point in the movie, we see um, Katniss has like a flashback to um, one of the first experiences she ever had with Peta, which can we just talk about the names for a second? Like, I, I totally get it. I get it. Naming like this is what this is what their district does so like let's name them after things in the district or like this is what their family loves so let's name them after stuff like primrose um and katniss those are both herbs that can be found in the wilderness and pita is if i have to tell you what pita is then like read a book i don't know pita is a type of bread and his family are bakers <laughs> like we get it we get it Suzanne, like, just chill on the names, please. Anyway, Peta and Katniss, there is a flashback um, to Katniss. Um, she looks about the same age in the movie in this flashback. Um, but after reading the book, you'd learn that she was actually like 12, 13. Um, and she doesn't look a day younger than she does like in the opening of this of this movie. And we see Josh Hutcherson's character um come out of the bakery with burnt bread that he's supposed to throw to the pigs but he actually throws it to Katniss because she's starving and you know looks sad and depressed in the rain under a tree um and then we see Peta's mom come out and smack him upside the head and tell tell him to come inside and then it comes back to the present hello my friends you made it halfway through the episode, so now you will be rewarded with ads. Everyone loves ads, right? First, I want to say that I am so excited for Authors Intent to be a part of the Highline Network. We join the network alongside shows like No Normal People, Ravel, and Into. Here's a teaser from our sister show, Ravel. The one thing that I said to her that she seemed to respond to was something physical that she could do and that was just make it to the next minute like don't worry about the next minute just get to it it's like one step at a time just keep going if you have nothing else to say if you don't have experience in that realm of grief or sadness don't tell them how to feel about what they're experiencing. You can find Authors Intent anywhere you find podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at A underscore Intent Podcast and Instagram at Authors Intent.
Um, and we see Katniss and Peeta shuffled into separate rooms. And then we see Gail and we see Mrs. Everdeen and Prim come into the room. The biggest difference here, of course, is this is when Mage would have brought the pin to, to Katniss, given her the pin after she had been reaped into the Hunger Games. Um, but Mage doesn't even exist in the movies, apparently. Um, a thing we also don't see is Peta's dad actually comes into the room and gives her a box of cookies. Um, and then they, you know, say their goodbyes. Um, she Katniss tells her mom that she can't, like, disappear again. And she means she can't fall into, like, her depression again because she needs to take care of Prim. Um, she makes a deal with Gale. Um, and Gale is going to hunt and provide for Prim and Mrs. Everdeen while Katniss is in the Hunger Games because she's definitely not sure if she could win. Uh, there's a big moment in the books when Peta's dad comes into the room and tells her specifically, like, I feel like 12 has a chance of winning. Um, and that, like, the fact that he didn't say that to Peta, like, <laughs> he's positive his son is going to die, but, like, maybe, maybe District 12 will win. Like, Oof. Ooh, that sucks. That sucks real bad. <laughs> so uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff that happens um, in the in between between them getting reaped and them actually entering the Hunger Games. Um, we're going to stop at conveniently Suzanne Collins. She wrote these books in three parts. So we're going to stop at the end of part one, obviously. But there is a lot of stuff in the books that happens between between them getting on the train and them actually like going into the games and the movie. Like, I, I understand they can't spend a whole lot of time with the character building in, like, interviews and training and stuff like that. But, like, you, there's a lot of stuff that you miss um, going into something like this um, in a movie. So, you see on the train that uh, they they actually finally meet Haymitch um, and he's drunk. The scene with the knife stabbing the table is 100%, like, in the book, like, totally nailed it. Um, Effie is portrayed perfectly she's just very high strung and perfect little cap capital like plebeian and Hamish is just drunk all the time um it gets to the point where Katniss and Peeta are like if we have any chance of winning that will only be made possible if you are not a freaking alcoholic while we're in the games so they they convince they convince Hamish to you know at least be sober while they're trying to compete uh they they strategize specific things. They talk about what Katniss is good at. They talk about what Peta is good at. Um, they try to talk about um, story, like building a story between them. Uh, Katniss is totally not for it. She is like, if you're a D&D &D person, Katniss has like the lowest charisma score. Like she she has a negative one on charisma, but she always ro rolls natural 20s. Like, that is literally the best way I can describe it. She is not charismatic. She is a bumbling idiot when it comes to charisma, but, like, she ha she rolls good. Um, whereas PETA, he is just naturally charismatic. He is naturally... Um, people are naturally drawn to him. He is kind. He's polite. He's funny. Um, and couldn't be more polar opposites. Um, we learned that uh, Katniss knows some stuff about Peta. Um, she mentions that he's really strong and that he can throw like a bag of flour really far. Like I get like there's not a lot of other um, defining 
features for him physically, but like, and I get he's a baker, but you couldn't be like, he can pick up heavy stuff. Like you had to say a bag of flour. I mean, whatever. Um, PETA makes a point to say that uh, Katniss is an amazing shot with an arrow. Um, and a, a thing that is brought up frequently in the movie and sometimes in the book is that Katniss knows that she's good with a bow and arrow and she knows that she can hunt, but she makes a point of saying like, I've never hunted human. And it's just, I, it's weird to think about. So they get to the Capitol and uh, some of the first things that they do, they uh, meet with their uh, designers. Um, Katniss's designer specific, specifically is Cinna. Um, his name is Cinna. He's played by Lenny Kravitz, which like, yes, another chef's kiss. Ten stars. Um, <laughs> uh, he is he plays Cinna so well. I think he's uh, very, very tender, very gentle with Katniss and seems to understand that she's not exactly the most charismatic person, but um, gives her something that will make her seem more welcoming. Um, and the outfit that um, he creates for both for both Katniss and also for Peta specifically burst into flames. Uh, so it's a it's a tradition in the Hunger Games for the opening ceremonies for the for the tributes to come out dressed up like what their what their district produces essentially. So for a long time, the the dis uh, the the tributes from District Twelve were dressed up like coal miners. Apparently there was someone in the past in a previous Hunger Games that was just naked and covered in like coal dust. Like, nice. Um, but Cinna takes a different approach to it and decides to dress them up like coal. So they're wearing these beautiful black outfits. Um, and when they come out into the, uh, when they ride out on these chariots, uh, when they get into view of people, the outfits actually burst into flame, but they're not like literal fire like they're not on fire the clothes are on fire it's like a synthetic fire looks amazing i think they portrayed it so well in the movies it looks so 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 cool um a big thing that i noticed after rereading the first book um we meet president snow at this uh ceremony uh he is up on a pedestal giving a speech the typical speech that um they always give at the beginning of the hunger games talking about why they do the Hunger Games, all of these things. And this, uh, so President Snow, um, his name is President Coriolanus Snow. Um, he's played by Donald Sutherland, which the chef kiss all around. Like there's so many chef kisses in this movie, but <laughs> he makes an excellent President Snow. You meet him here. Um, he doesn't specifically meet the tributes. Um, he's just giving a speech and the, uh, Big thing that I've noticed in in the movies is so the book is written in first person perspective of Katniss, but in the movies, several like several changes were made in the perspective um, rather than using like voiceovers or having Katniss like explain things like in her head. They have more like first person conversations. So there's a lot of there's a lot of dialogue specifically like in Katniss's head that you don't get in the movie. So when you when you get to scenes where they're like Katniss has a specific motivation to do something, you don't really get to see what motivated that decision. Like you only get to see the action, which I mean, 
it's essentially what they're portraying in the Hunger Games, like why this is televised. Um, like you only get to see the action. You don't get to see what the, the tribute's thinking. But uh, it makes it difficult to understand the motivation behind things. And simultaneously, Katniss isn't a very charismatic person. So like in the Hunger Games, like actually when they're in the arena, um, you hear a lot of the self-dialogue that Katniss has for why she's doing stuff. And she'll make a point to like turn slightly so that a camera can see her when she's in the in the arena. But like you don't like there's no way for them to portray that in the movie. Um, and this is this is another one of those moments when they get up to the ceremony and President Snow is there giving giving a speech. Um, you don't you don't really get to see like the internal thoughts that Katniss is having, um, which is for for a character that is so uncharismatic. Um, I feel like it's important to know what that character is thinking. I think they went the right right route of not giving her that dialogue um, because it would just make the movie weird. But there are some things that you just really miss in the movie because you don't get to hear that dialogue. Um, so as I said, you see President Snow. He is in the movie so much. Like he's in he's in so many scenes and he is barely he is barely in the book. Barely. I remember reading rereading it about uh, a month ago and literally I was like, where the heck is President Snow? Why haven't I heard of heard about him in forever in this book? Um, and that's because he's not in it. He's like he's in parts of it, but he is not in the book almost at all. And he is everywhere in the stinking movie. Like they do cutscenes to him. Like we wouldn't know that this is happening. Like literally we're doing this from the perspective of Katniss and like watching her as a tribute on the TV. Like that is literally the perspective we're watching it from. And Katniss does Katniss has no freaking idea what is happening in the Capitol while she's in the arena. But we cut to scenes of President Snow and Seneca Crane, who is the game master for for the arena. Um, and you cut to scenes of Haymitch um, a few times in the movie. And like, we wouldn't know this. We wouldn't know this at all. Literally half of the book is Katniss in the arena and like her thoughts. Like we you never see President Snow. I was so confused when I watched the movie again. So they they do this big ceremony and it's just kind of like a reveal of of the tributes again in person to the 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 citizens of the capital. Um, and then they take them back to their uh, their rooms, which is which are really nice, like penthouse, like super nice rooms. Um, and this is where we actually meet what the book calls Avoxes. Um, so these are servants that were I believe most of them were like capital traders, like people who broke the law. And so the capital took them, cut out their tongues and made them servants, essentially. Um, so we meet an Avox in in the District 12 penthouse who is serving Katniss. And uh, we learn that this specific Avox was someone that she had actually run into in the woods outside of District 12. Um, before this girl was an Avox, um, she specifically remembers being hunt being out hunting with Gale um, and she runs into this girl and a boy, I believe. And conveniently, Katniss and Gale were able to hide. But this girl and boy get picked up by a capital plane um, and taken away. And some dialogue in the book specifically talks about about how she 
she recognizes this girl and she'd always wondered what happened to that girl after she got picked up by the plane. Um, And it's kind of traumatizing to walk into this room and confront her face to face. And there's actually a scene in the in the book where she actually apologizes to the girl. And of course, the girl can't talk. She doesn't have a tongue, but it, it's a very, very like gut wrenching and heartfelt moment in the book. And you don't get to see that in the movie. Um, so another another big thing that they do in the in before they go into the arena is that they actually um, have training sessions with with the tributes. Um, all of them are there. They're specifically not allowed to fight each other, but they have time to learn how to, you know, do basic life life saving skills like tying knots, building fires, um, skinning game, learning how to cook meat, uh, learning how to fight. They have a bunch of different areas where you can learn to fight like sword fighting and spears and bows and arrows, like literally a ton of stuff. Um, and Hamish specifically tells them to tells Peta and Katniss, like, do not go anywhere near the things that you're good at. Learn to do something else because a big feature of the games is actually each individual tribute um, presenting something that they're actually good at to the game makers. Um, so they go into this room alone. Um, and of course it's, uh, individual, um, they go down the district. So they start with district one with the boy and make it all the way down to district 12 girl. And they are, they're given, they're giving, they're given tribute scores. Um, and it's of course between one and 12. And like, if you're on the low end, if you're a one, that means that this person is like going to be super easy to kill. They don't have any abilities that would benefit them in the games. And on the adverse side, you see that, that if you get a 12, you are like probably top contender, more, most likely to win. And this actually fuels the, the betting on the games. But it has been it has been shown many times in the games that like sometimes the game makers will give someone that is a like a hot, hot contender, a really low number to make people think like, oh, there's no chance that they're going to win. Like they're they're definitely playing, playing the the field a little bit. So uh, PETA. Peta goes before Katniss. Um, he he does pretty good. He I think he gets an eight and then Katniss goes and she specific like they they did the scene perfectly. Um, <laughs> like I I couldn't think of a single thing that they did wrong in the, in the movie. Katniss goes in, shoots some arrows um, and looks up and the game makers aren't even paying attention to her. And she gets frustrated and she actually shoots an arrow into an apple um, like off the table into the wall, into the wall behind the game makers and totally freaks everyone out. Of course, they all turn to look at her and they're all confused why she would shoot an arrow <laughs> at them. Um, and she uh, it's literally like if you've seen the movie, it, it plays out exactly like that. So for the the final the final thing that we see in in the movie that is in the book, uh, they do an interview with all the tributes. They do an interview with all the tributes before they enter the game. So this is literally like the day before, I think. They start with District 1 girl and then make their way down to District 12 boy. We learn the names of all the other district all the other uh, district tributes. And this is another thing you get to see all of the other tributes tribute score. Um, so like they can get an idea of of who is going to be the most difficult to to compete with. 
but they get to Katniss and of course uh, Cinna makes an amazing outfit for her again. I believe the dress like she's wearing one specific dress and uh, when she spins, when she twirls, the bottom of the dress actually catches flame, which is a big part of like the naming of the other books. I believe it's like Catching Fire is the next book. Um, and through it's a theme throughout the book that she is a spark that starts the flame of rebellion. But she goes into this and of course, Caesar Flickerman, played by Stanley Tucci, uh, he uh, interviews Katniss uh, talks a lot about Prim and why she volunteered to be tribute. Uh, you can see that Katniss is having a hard time, like, trying to be, like, prim and proper and charismatic. And we know that she's not really a charismatic person. So, like, this is definitely a difficult thing for her. But um, she manages to get a few oohs and ahs out of the crowd. Um, and then we see Josh, H- Josh Hutcherson uh, come up to be interviewed. Um, and, of course, PETA is just radiating charisma um and he's so easy to talk to um they he just starts some jokes with caesar that we see in the second book that he uh he like leans into that when he's interviewing again um and this is when this is when uh pita announces to god and everybody that he is in love with Katniss. Um, we actually see after after the interview, Katniss punches him in the face, um, which, again, tributes are not allowed to fight each other until they're in, in the arena. Um, and we see Hamish actually tell Katniss, like, he just made you desirable. Like, he made he made your chances of surviving the Hunger Games so much better. Like, this boy is helping you so much. And of course, Katniss views it as a, at first she, she views it as, as PETA trying to make her look weak and then realizes that, um, PETA is actually making her, making her seem definitely more desirable as a, as a winner of the Hunger Games. Um, and that is where, that is where we'll stop for today. Um, that is the end of part one of the Hunger Games, the first book and the first movie um next um so the the next part that we're gonna go through uh it'll be out next week um it'll be actually like the majority of it will be in the games so i believe if you have the book that's from page i don't know it ends on like page 247 um so we'll we'll dive into that next week um again Lots of spoilers. Like, if you have any desire to, like, be ignorant of any of this, if you want to go to the movies with fresh eyes, do not listen to this podcast. I am very grateful if you listened to it and you made it to this point. Like, thank you so, so much. But I totally understand if you don't want any spoilers. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much, my precious little turtle loves. I will see you next week. Stephen, what do you think Ravel is about? I think Ravel is a podcast about how to effectively market our cult. 
No, no, no. Ravel is a show that shares the basics on how to get into the afterlife in three easy steps. Okay, okay, cut it out, you guys. Ravel is really about why SpongeBob SquarePants is the best story for teaching atonement theories. But how will your belief in God's atonement change when we prove that aliens exist? I mean, it would probably cause an even greater number of spiritual emergencies in the church. Or maybe everyone is just going to conclude that aliens are demons because we can't explain them. If you are thinking about all of these questions too, come have a drink with us. Follow Ravel wherever you get your podcasts. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.